Welcome to the Body Science Podcast. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. Okay, welcome everybody to Body Science Headquarters. This is the world of fit, happy, and healthy. And today, I can't wait to bring you our latest podcast. I've got on board with me Lachlan Wilmart from Sydney coming in live. He is, of course, the head of physical performance for the New South Wales Swifts. Lachlan, thank you for being here with us. How are you, sir? Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. It's good to, uh, good to get on. Um, nice to meet you and, uh, and have a bit of a chat. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I mean, what what a pleasure for us to be able to connect uh, and chat with uh, motivational individuals like yourself. Lachlan, I mean, for those of you that, that don't know, I mean, we're about to delve into some really exciting high-end um, elite-level performance coaching uh, insights in the throughout this podcast. Lachlan is currently the uh, head of physical performance for the New South Wales Swifts. Lachlan, over to you. I'd, I'd like to know that this is your, your current role, women's netball. Tell us the, the grand picture of, of where you see, um, starting with the big one straight away, women in sport. Where are we at at the moment? Yeah, it's a big question. Now the first one is a big one, don't you? Mm, um, mm. Yeah, but look, I've, I've, I've worked um, this sort of 20th year as a, as a strength conditioning coach or performance coach, and, um, and predominantly I've worked in men's sport across AFL, NRL. That's sort of been my my backyard. And I also, I run a private facility that does have a, quite a few female athletes. So before um, coming onto the Swifts, I'd had a, a fair experience with a number of female athletes that um, that come through our doors here. And I've, I've seen for years that the, the dedication and the drive that the female athletes have in this day and age is, is phenomenal. Um, mainly because even the pros, even if you call a, an A-leaguer a, a pro, um, they still only get six-month contracts. You know, the oh. AFLW, NRLW, um, these girls are still only there for six, seven months, and then they've got to kind of fight for the for themselves um, for the other six months. So they kind of naturally find a little bit more drive and a little bit more desire to, uh, to, to train hard, to find the right things, do the right things, because, you know, in the men's sport, they get you know year-long contracts. They're there all year, and and they get hounded 24/7 by uh, different staff, different support staff, different coaches. Um, so I think naturally the the women's um, I suppose side of of sport has has really come about driven by some really motivated individuals because they've got to be otherwise they kind of fall by the wayside um and going into netball is no different looking at the you know these girls a lot of them still have to work other jobs um they train they play hard and then they've actually got to go and work because the money they make is not enough to to necessarily make ends meet in day-to-day life so i think the motivation and the drive that they have just naturally can exceed uh some male individuals who potentially get everything sort of given to them and Mm. i think that that, that type of drive is something that is, has certainly pushed women's sport at the moment. And um, we can see the World Cup's on and you, you look at the attendance that's starting to grow there. It's fantastic. And I think um, the, the one thing that women's sport probably lacks at the moment is simply time. Um, men's sport has had so much time and, and women's sport just hasn't. Um, you, know, you, you can say that there's been women's netball, obviously, for a long time, but you'd hardly say 
um, women's sport in general has been at the forefront for a long time. And I think mm. that's that's the key. You, you, we're probably seeing the first generation. Um, and I've got I've got two young girls and we're probably seeing the past couple of years is the first generation of girls that, that are five and six years of age that can actually look and see any sport from rugby league, AFL, uh, soccer, netball, all of these sports that, that, um, that girls are, are thriving in. And they actually have a desire to do it and they actually maybe do want to go down to the park and have a kick around. Like, I don't think that you know, when I was young, I don't think there was any five or six-year-old girls that, that had a real desire to go down and, and kick the AFL ball around the park. Um, and I think that's changing. And when that generation comes through, then, you know, you, you, you're probably going to see some phenomenal, phenomenal progression. That's exactly right, Lachlan. It's, it was a question I was going to ask, like, I. I was inquisitive myself. Are these these women who are elite, the very top of the of the netball world, are they still having to also work um, other jobs? You know, and and can you break that down for us? Yeah, without a doubt. Well, um, I'm I'm. This is maybe not the official numbers, but from what I know, I think the the rough average netball salaries around that forty five thousand a year. Um, you might have a couple of top echelon at about a hundred thousand. Um, but but that's it. And no doubt at a hundred thousand it's it's certainly enough to live off. But at, at forty, forty five thousand a year, that's that's tough in Sydney. Um, very tough in Sydney, especially with the, the changes at the moment and the fact that um, they dedicate so much of their time to to training and, and being healthy in their bodies and stuff like that. Like, you know, you're a dietitian, you know how expensive it is sometimes to, to buy things that are of health and how easy it is to just go down the, the, the fast food path. But um, yeah, the, for, for a lot of netballers, and obviously I, I'm just averaging out the, the girls that I work with across the entire league but but a lot of them do have other jobs yeah they need to they mm-hmm. need to do it to keep ends meet um you maybe maybe get one or two in each team that um that potentially have a fox sports deal or mm-hmm. a, a, another third party deal that can that can um allow them to, to get a bit more money in but um but yeah they're, they're certainly they're certainly not getting wealthy off netball mm-hmm. that's for sure yeah okay so this makes their stories sometimes more inspirational and motivational because people talk about not having the time in the day to you know get to gym or to eat healthy or to you know all the excuses that we hear but these are uh top of the sport and then still often having to probably um do do their training in the morning go go and work a job nine to five go back to training in the evening um prepare their meals find time to first of all yes like you mentioned as a dietitian it's it's about prioritizing the time to do the grocery shop then the time to actually cook cook the food prepare it and then time to actually eat it accordingly at the right times in the day and then they're they're actually performing at at highest level having to have the energy to to train uh compete and then and then like you said still having to often work uh, a nine-to-five job as well so yeah that that must that must um inspire you and i can imagine that like you kind of feed off each other's energy right yeah, well, it's um, the the setting itself is, I think, uh, based on that fact, the, the fact that they've they've never really been gifted anything, and and their their strive to make it's always been there. That I think it creates a very robust and very resilient team as a whole. Um, so when something does change, it's it's not the end of the world, you know. Of um, you know, working working in the AFL, or, I remember days where you know they'll the the, the rain probably hasn't been as strong as it has been lately and the boys would go out and you'd hear complaints about how hard the, the surface is. And, and don't get me wrong, yeah, the surface is hard, but you know, that sometimes they're the things that get hyper-focused on. Um, you know, or the, the ground's not absolutely yeah. perfect. Therefore, that's that's what I'm going to complain about rather than 
you know, some some of the girls that are here, like we've been kicked off our court and we had to train out of a out of a school, you know. So it's suddenly like, well, you know, it's it's probably different focus for different for different people. But um, but yeah, you, you start to get a few more um things put into perspective. I yes. think. Yes. Uh, yeah. That, went that, into that. That's the word. Hey, it puts things into perspective, and there's no time to sweat the small things or to be so pedantic yeah. around the little areas, you know. And um and they're just looking at the at the big picture, and uh taking every opportunity that they can probably not not finding any excuses or whinging uh 100%. obviously 20 years 20 plus years in the in the industry for yourself as a uh, physical performance coach um would that be right yeah tw- 20th year this year 20th yeah. year um, 20th year happy anniversary there <laughs> i mean that, that that's a huge <laughs> achievement um if i if i just relate it back to myself quick studied exercise science um studied psychology Went into masters of nutrition. Uh, Love being a dietitian. Uh, Realised it's it's not the first uh, thought that comes to athletes' minds that their nutrition. Uh, it's it's normally the the training, and um, they normally train hard. And sometimes nutrition's um, falls behind. What are your thoughts on that, Lachlan? And and what sort of um, impact do you think, just from yourself personally, that that nutrition has? in sport right now and going forward? Yeah, look, I think whether it be strength, conditioning, nutrition, sometimes psychology as well, um, mm. no one cares more about it than you. Um, players certainly don't. And, and don't get me wrong, you're going to come across players that have more of an interest than others. Mm. Um, but uh, if you have, if you, if you read a, a, a great paper that was released on Friday, I can tell you right now that not a single one of your athletes <laughs> are probably going to care about it. Um, <laughs> When you when you get in the bubble, especially S and C coaches, like tradition coaches, like uh, we'll we'll talk sets and reps all day long and love it and, and think other people care just as much as we do. And um, I think that the really good coaches probably learn early on that that their athletes don't care that much about it. Um, and the key is how do you put it in into to a frame of reference for them, um, and how do you make them relate to it? And I think you know. From a dietetic standpoint, that's probably where I think there's there's sometimes a really big disconnect because a, a dietitian may come in and you know if they're they're young and they're keen, they're like you know we're counting all the calories, we're balancing this perfectly, we're getting on my fitness power, we're doing this, and they're talking to someone that mm. that doesn't have breakfast and mm. has KFC for dinner. Like you're, you're the the jump that you're about to make is huge, you know. So mm. um, the best dietitians I've worked with are the ones that that come in and say, okay, well let's just let's just meet where you are. So you're currently not having breakfast i don't care what you have for breakfast let's just start having breakfast if you want to have pop tarts that's fine let's just build a routine um and i think that's probably a, a good analogy across everything for athletes um when you're dealing with with athletes you've got to meet them where they are and understand what the gold standard is is maybe not always what the outcome is going to be for that individual if you can just get them 10 20 percent better doing certain things and that's a big win because you prefer that than to get annoyed that they're not doing everything perfectly and then then ultimately not doing anything at all um so i think that's probably the key for the nutrition side and it's it's big so true no no that's so true Lachlan. i think sometimes dietitians even get a bad name like I, I fully understand what you just said over there because it's like there's no point in coming in and trying to be like a food policeman or, or trying to make them feel intimidated by by something and and that's just pushing them further away. It's actually it needs an individualized approach. Um, meeting each each individual athlete where they are. You, you're right, and just looking for an improvement and making it really realistic. What's actually achievable um, to them, and that and and read the room, right? So yeah, thank you for what you said. I mean, I think that all our listeners, we we can take a lot out of that. It is. It's a, it's 
in any sort of coaching format, you got to look for that individualized approach hey, to be able to develop the rapport and then to be able to get the results. So it's looking for that extra extra few percent. That's what it is. They're already elite athletes. They're already performing. What What's the potential for some improvement? And to be honest, it's the same with everyday people. You know, your, mm. your, your general population, people see it on uh, on Instagram. They'll see advertisements they're on TV. like and, and you always see it that they're, they're doing no training and they're not eating well. And then they decide, right, on Monday, I'm going to do everything. So they're running every day. They're lifting every other day. They're trying to eat perfectly. Um, and they maintain it for a week, two weeks, three weeks, and they fall off the perch because they stuff up one day. They go back to the beginning. It's like, well, well, no, like that that's a big step. Why don't why don't you just take a small step at a time? Just you know, just start training. Even if you don't change what you eat, just start training and then build from there. So um, I think it, it's human nature to try and try and bite off more than we can chew. Absolutely. So true. That and that's obviously testament to your success because you've got experience and yeah, probably wasn't always like that in your first year, but come twenty years, I think you understand the big picture, you understand how to um bring out the strength in each individual and that's what it's about too so therefore as a team they they perform at their best um talk us through um on season versus off season um you know what your strategies would be uh, across the year because are you in touch with uh, with the swifts throughout the entire year or is it or is it simply come together um a few weeks out uh, talk us through that that periodization well, no, the, the Swifts, and we talk about women in sport and, and the female sporting landscape at the moment, um, the, the Swifts are a, a year round. They have annual contracts, you know, multi-year contracts, which is which is great. Um, you know, in, in AFLW and stuff like that, they certainly have multi-year contracts, but um, often the staff that work there don't, um, as you said, that they're potentially not paid to be uh, approachable all year. Um, so you'll kind of be six or seven months on and then the, the rest off. Mm. Um, but in netball, the, the staff are, are for, for argument's sake, most of them are um, mm. set on an annual structure. So I'm a, I'm a part of the Swifts for, for both the off-season, pre-season, in-season. Mm. Um, and it's very much like AFL or NRL uh, when we talk about Australian sport. They um, they'll, We'll pick up our, our pre-season. They're currently in off-season now. Um, we'll pick up our pre-season around October, so probably a little bit earlier than, than some of the men's sports. But that's mainly because our season finished earlier this year for the, the World Cup that's currently going on as well. So the mm. Netball World Cup's on at the moment as well as the, the Women's Soccer World Cup. Uh, so we'll kick off in October and, and we'll, we'll have what I call like a soft start um you know we, we probably won't our first pre-season matches will be around march so you can imagine that's a fairly long pre-season to go from october to march without playing and just listening to my voice <laughs> telling him to to run faster lift heavier um so we do have a bit of a soft start where they may only come in and, and we might do weights as a team a couple of times a week and that just occurs for three to four weeks then the within november we'll go back on court and we'll just do maybe one or two conditioning sessions for two to three weeks, then we'll bring the balls back in and stuff like that. So we have a real graded return. Yeah. Then they'll get a break uh, over Christmas, New Year of about two weeks. Uh, and then we roll into January where we're far more serious. Coaches are, are pushing harder uh, from a skill standpoint. Our technical and tactical side is ramped up. Um, and from my standpoint, from a physical performance standpoint, they, they should be pushing and, and being pretty good nick by then. Because then, as I said, sort of back end of Feb into March is when they'll start to experience some preseason games and, and then we will uh, we'll kick off our, our season now. Our season date hasn't been announced for the start date yet, but it'll be sometimes that sort of 
back end of March um, and we'll roll into, they do a 14-game season plus finals. Um, so hopefully, uh, like this year, we'll go all the way to the grand final. And unfortunately, we lost by one point in overtime this year. Uh, so that still burns pretty deep. So hopefully we can we can go one point better next year, mate, and, uh, and push all the way through. <laughs> one point loss in overtime in the grand final. I mean, you, you must still wake up in cold sweats. Mate, it's um, a lot of my staff and people I've worked with previously asked me about the, the netball anxiety. I, I, I've seen some amazing, I've been on the sidelines for some amazing AFL and NRL games that don't get me wrong, I've, I've, I've had my heart rate go up. But um, but if you've ever gotten into netball, it's it's ridiculous. It just, it is, from the first minute, it is just back and forth. And I don't know if it's just because you're closer to it, um, but the anxiety that I experience during a netball game is, is I've never seen it before. So um, yeah, the whole season, I don't know how I'm going to do another season, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, they always say it's even harder being on the sideline, isn't it? Like that, oh, and you're obviously so invested. And <laughs> so, what's the morale? And what do you say to them? What What are your words after that grand final? Oh, the, I think you <laughs> you're smart enough to know that you're not really meant to say anything after yeah. that. That's um, that's a that's a time. It is. It's the you know, we all came into the change room, and it was yeah, very very quietly. Everyone truly believed that that was our time, and and we should have done it. Um, but um, you know, it's it's a time for for them to sort of be with each other, and and realistically, there, there's no words that you can find that are suddenly going to make anything better. It, they've all just sort of sort of got a feel it. Our, our coach um, obviously said a, a few few words around um, the quality of play and how we played, um, and obviously the 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 drive that we had. We were down by nine goals at halftime, so the the drive for them to come back is like nine goals in netball is huge. So um, for them to actually come back um, and and take it to them and um, and and only lose and obviously get it to extra time and then only lose by one was a phenomenal effort. But um, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, the only things you can say is feel it. Let's reset. Um, uh, we'll come together next week and talk about it because now's not the time. It is you. Do, you just got to feel it. And I think to your point, what do you say? I think um, if you go in there thinking you're going to say something that'll suddenly turn it all around, you, you're kidding yourself. You, you you want your athletes to feel it. Um, I, I sort of the, the common adage is you, you sometimes you got to lose one to win one. Um, so mm-hmm. I think for them to have that feeling and to 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 have it, um, I suppose bask in it, so to speak, for a little bit and and really know what it feels like to lose something like that. Um, I think it can only create more motivation for for when we return in preseason because that mm. feeling doesn't disappear quickly. Mm. Um, it's, it's it's a it is probably more of a sinking feeling to think that oh, we've got to go through a whole another preseason and in season just to get back to where we are here because um, it's a it's a long slog. That's a yeah, that's exactly right. That's a long slog, and and you always just whenever you watch a narrow loss like that you just somehow justified yourself that they came back from nine goals so that at least we were, i think you'd rather be in that position to have made be the team that came back um and then and then you go well for some reason uh, it happened for a reason and now will that be the returning squad for the for the new season or do we lose any players going forward it's a great question but if you know the netball landscape at the moment it's it's kind of similar to the nrl in the fact that there's actually um, no CBA that's been agreed upon. Um, so there's they're actually all in limbo. So um, um, in a unique environment, every netballer is actually out of contract. So they lined up all contracts the same. So currently, not a single netballer has a contract for next year. Um, wow. Of, yeah. So of our of our ten, 
Um, obviously, I've got no idea who's who's going to come and go, so to speak. But um, as a, a general feeling, we'll we'll probably have one or two rotate out, but probably keep a majority. I would have thought, yeah. But obviously, who knows? I could be wrong. <laughs> wow, gee, it really is a whole other world. Yeah, you you touched on and. It would be so wrong of us to not touch on the World Cup over here since we're doing this podcast right now during uh, Netball World Cup. Uh, how how does our Australian team fare on a world stage? Yeah, they're, they're, they're amongst the best. Um, obviously, netball is a Commonwealth-based sport. Um, so, so the dominant ones that exist uh, in the World Cup are... Uh, England, Australia and New Zealand are probably your three big ones. Um, and then you have sort of teams like uh, Jamaica and stuff that obviously are mm. always a bit of a, a surprise pocket. But um, but yeah, I would imagine the, the World Cup will end um, with Australia versus England. Um, and I'm hoping that uh, Australia get up. How good is that? Hi, I'm Tom Green, Olympic champ from Tokyo. And if you want the best tasting protein bars on the market, you should try the new Body Science Moose Range. Greg, you better be testing those. Mate, they're getting drug tested. Got you covered. Anyone from the Swifts in there? I mean, any of your players? Yeah, we've got, we've got two of our girls, Paige Hadley and Sarah Clower in the Diamonds, um, so Australian representatives. Thank you for mentioning... Um, Paige, Paige over there straight yeah. away at the top because obviously Paige is one of our body science athletes, so we're, we're super proud of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you picked, did, you picked a good person. Man. We, we certainly did. And um, so we've got, yeah, go on. So we've got Paige and who else? Yeah, we've got, we've got Paige and Sarah, Sarah Clow in uh, in the Australian team. We've got Helen Housby, who plays for the Swiss. She's one of our superstars. Um, she's playing for Roses, so for England. Oh. Um, and then we've also got uh, Romelda Aiken-George, who was our, our shooter. She's with Jamaica, so Team Jamaica. Um, and then we've got another, one of our training partners, Kalia Iongi. She's with Tonga. So, wow. Um, couple of representatives there so it's um yeah, it's good Lachlan I'm learning so much so that's, that's over a handful of your Swifts players playing in the World Cup currently and um mm. and mixed across different countries Australia England Jamaica and Tonga representatives yeah. in the New South Wales Swifts come on how good's that yeah yeah yep. Yeah. deviating a bit to your previous career if we if we call it that uh, let's talk about the the Parramatta eels i mean isn't it crazy that we're talking about three different sports here where you've been in the highest position of of performance coaching across netball league and afl and across two genders here so uh, let's talk about your experience with the, with Parramatta eels uh yeah. briefly perhaps how does how does that compare with where you're at today in life yeah look um you could probably you could probably put afl and nrl into the same sort of basket i think mm. um when it comes to the stage of life like um anyone that's in in the afl or in the nrl and, and to be honest I, i'm sure in a lot of other sports but i can only speak to them but um it it, it really just encompasses your whole life uh it's mm. It's, as I say, it's, it's nine days a week type work. You know, you're, you're always involved. You're always on call. You're, you're, whether you're answering to, to coaches or uh, medical staff or athletes, you know, there's always someone that needs something. Um, and that was at that stage of my life, I, um, I wasn't married and I didn't have kids. So it's far easier to do. You can really just delve in. Um, and I find that uh, probably as as I've, I've grown through my my career, obviously my personal life has also changed. I'm I'm married now. I've got three kids. Well, three that are under two and a half. So wow. three three um, under two and a half. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm very specific about that. People say three under three, and I, I make sure I correct them. <laughs> like, no, no, so six months make a big difference. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. So, yeah, okay. So, 
my lifestyle is very different externally. Um, and I think uh, I've certainly done really well and I've been very lucky to be able to adapt my working lifestyle to suit that um, because there's plenty of people that do it um, and I admire them, but but I, I personally wouldn't want the responsibility of balancing um, a full-time career within, say, an AFL or NRL environment mm. um, whilst still trying to balance three kids and, and ultimately it would be my wife that would suffer because she's the one that would get dumped with them more often than not. Um, and so I think it's just from a family standpoint standpoint it's something that I, I don't think I could uh, I could do um, so mm. that's where you know the Swifts are really good because it is for me I, I'm obviously in the, in the private sector with my facility which is is very flexible for me but um, but the Swifts are very understanding I can I can take my kids in there with me I've taken my girls in there a few times and the, the head coach will change nappies while I'm on the gym floor and, and you don't really get that in AFL or NRL so um, when when you ask like you know what's what's the difference what does it look like I think um, when you have these these full-time sports like NRL and AFL and, and you've got you know I've got 10, 10 girls on my list versus you know 35 in NRL and I was over a 55 in AFL at one stage you know it's, it's a lot it's a lot more work just because of the sheer size of, of the juggernaut that, that it is a is a team the same as an NFL team with you know 86 players on it or whatever it is is there's a whole nother juggernaut mm-hmm. in itself so um, the, the numbers involved in a team then obviously equal the number of staff which ultimately decide just how busy you are as a as a coach that's <laughs> right that's right so your uh, your young ones boys or girls where we're at yeah I got, I got two girls and a boy so okay. um, yeah girl a one and a half girl and then a, a nine week nine week boy oh, okay all right so there we go so we've got we can split it we've got uh yep. we've got future future netball and future league slash afl right there in your hands yep. a bit of pressure on them <laughs> we, can, we can we can put the boy into afl and we'll put the uh the middle girl can go play nrlw and then uh and then the older girl can play netball <laughs> there we so go there we go. How perfect. They're, they are pretty lucky with the father they've got over there. I mean, they're going to have a bit of pressure to perform, I would say. Oh, <laughs> um, mate, likely, likely story. They probably won't enjoy sport at all. And they'll end up doing something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So going into recovery, oh, oh, let's let's touch on some topical recovery areas, um, touching on, you know, infrared saunas, cryotherapy, uh, massage guns, um, and then, of course, more, more popular um normal massage use and of course what we're what we're famous and all about over here in the world of fit happy healthy is is supplements and supplementation so um in touch on a few of those points for us uh, currently it's, with uh, the swifts yeah, it's very simple um and i say this to all my athletes and coaches that ask because there's a million things out there um first and foremost sleep well eat well mm. you're 90 percent of the way there Simple as that. Um, I'm a very big believer that modalities of recovery often are most effective because they give someone a a focus point um, to actually dedicate recovery time. And what I mean by that is if you love getting a massage or if you love going for a swim or if you love an ice bath, you do what you want to do. But the fact that you've consciously dedicated time to look after your body and recover is actually the most powerful part of that, regardless of what you do. If you're sleeping well, and for athletes, most of them will be getting up to 10 hours sleep. That's what we want. Um, And your nutrition is good, meaning you're getting proper amount of calories, high density calories, and you're actually supplementing well with the right right supplements. That everything else is really going to be beneficial based on what you like. Because I know plenty of people that hate ice baths, but love massage and vice versa. I love people, spot on, you've got 
infrared saunas, float tanks, cryotherapy. You got the amount of things that you can use now is phenomenal. Um, and I don't think any one of them is is bad or no good. I certainly think the weight of evidence sits in some more than others, i.e. things like ice baths, probably got a little bit more weight. Just any type of hydro work, whether that be in the pool or the beach, probably has a higher weight of evidence than a massage gun. Um, but if you love using a massage gun, then, then that's fine. You can also do that because you probably dedicate 20 minutes, 30 minutes of using a massage gun probably supplement some stretching and mobility with that. And and that's fantastic for recovery. It really is. Um, so the way I work with my athletes is, is typically off a point system where I, I want them to get X amount of points within a certain amount of time. So for example, um, after the game finishes, usually you will have like a 100 point recovery system that you have to get in 24 hours. If you sleep for 10 hours, then that's 40 points straight away. If you have your post-match meal, you have breakfast and you have lunch, then that's another 20 points. And then they've got this window of points where they can play with, where an ice bath might be worth 10, but so is a trip to the beach and so is a yoga session. Mm -hmm. So they're all worth 10. So you can choose what you want to do and you sort of build your own recovery. But the premise is you have a block of time that you focus to recovery. Um, so I, I know really everyone... like that. If, if we pause on that, how good is that mm. as a takeaway message? Like the, the achievement of a 100-point process within 24 hours post-game as your recovery. Here you go. This is your weighted scale. This is what you'll get 10 points for sauna. You'll get 10 points for cryo. Your But the big picture, the the big stones in your life, the big blocks, that's the that's a get, get enough sleep get your Correct. recovery meal in these are the two main points and then anything you're doing after that those are the bonuses those are the extras and then of course we'd like to see supplements in there weighted a little bit higher than those other ones please maybe a little bit maybe just after um, sleep and food we'll throw in some protein yeah, well, protein recovery i can be easily bought mate i can be easily bought so uh, <laughs> i'll see afterwards that <laughs> That's a good system. That's an easy takeaway message that people can actually try follow in their own everyday life. Um, I, I guess big yeah. picture again is just acknowledging the importance of recovery. Well, I think I think from from for everyday life, anyone listening that, that's not an elite athlete, and, you know, with all due respect, I, I actually I don't think the everyday person needs to put so much focus on physical recovery from training because, quite frankly, I, I don't know how many everyday people train hard enough that means that they really need to dedicate physical recovery. But I am a big believer. That, that that type of recovery modalities, whether it be cryotherapy, ice bathing, yoga, these things, it's just good for, for the mind and soul. I think um, in this day and age, everyone is always on and we, we try and supplement our health by being on again in the gym or running. Um, I think it's it's good for, for human nature to be able to find opportunities throughout the week where you can do recovery, but the recovery doesn't necessarily need to be because you physically need it. I think just as a holistic mental approach that, that having time dedicated to your own recovery recovery is just just good to slow things down jumping in an ice bath every other day doing yoga doing some breath work all these type of things um i think mm. is very valuable but at the end of the day if you're not sleeping well you're not eating well it doesn't really matter no that's exactly right and i think you're also touching on the the importance of mental health there as well you know mm. Because that's all part of the balance. And if that means that for them, that's going down to the local cafe and having a coffee with some friends and socializing or going down to the beach and getting some getting some sun, that's a form of recovery, but also a form of balance and sustainability, right? Yeah, well, funnily enough, for 10 points on the scale, having, having brunch with friends is on there. Mm. The same as reading a book 
is mm. on there yeah. because these these little things are things that are valuable and it, it gets them away. Like a day after the game, with all due respect, the last thing that I think athletes actually need to do is review their game over and over and over the day after. I think you just need to give yourself some distance. You'll get all the reviews you need Monday morning. Trust me, the coaches will make sure you do that. Um, but I think sometimes you, you just got to distance yourself from from the, the grind of day in, day out um, uh, game focus. Yeah, good one. Yeah, isn't that good? As the co-owner of Athletes Authority, talk to us about this venue uh where wh- when was this founded and uh wh- what how do you find the time to do this as well to be a, a co-owner of a facility for training and um how you're enjoying this this part of your life yeah well it's um i sort of always knew that i, I didn't really want to do um i'll put it this way i didn't want to have pro sport as my sole um avenue um as i got older and older i, I love the idea of, of a private facility that effectively replicates pro sport for but for, for amateurs um and that's what athletes authority is it's a it's a athlete performance facility we only accept athletes um there's no general members here there's no one here that's looking to lose 20 kilos and look better naked um it is purely to make sure that they're getting better at their sport or rehabbing for their sport. So we we have a huge rehab arm um, that obviously takes on a hell of a lot of things like ACLs and stuff like that. So making sure that we can recondition athletes' bodies to get back to what they love doing is big as well because that's another thing that's done quite poorly in the private sector. Every Everyone can see a physio, but typically that end-stage rehab to make sure they're good to go back to their sport um, is quite poorly done because it, it's just not done to a high enough level that we see, say, in the professional level. So we have a, a facility in Melbourne and a facility in Sydney um, and spot on. We, we, we specialise in athletes and that's what we do. And um, it, it's certainly a balancing act all the time, but, but I love it. And that's, to be honest, it's, it's probably more the other way. I think Athletes Authority gives me the, the time and space to be able to, to do my work with the Swifts. Mm-hmm. The, the Swift girls train out of here quite a bit as well, especially in pre-season to make sure that they have a bit of a different venue. But we, we have a huge, huge uh, population of professional female athletes here. We have a lot of A-leaguers, AFLW and NRLW, um, mainly because of what I said before, that they have these six-month contracts where for half the year, um, they've got no one helping them. They're, they're wow. on their own. Wow. Um, so they they come in, they know what high performance can feel like. And so when they're in their off seasons, they kind of seek it out and, and they end up here. And yeah, we, we've probably got enough to field our own A-League team uh, soon enough. And uh, and it's been great. And we, we get these professionals come through that, that actually are driven and, and really want to have a crack for sort of a six-month block before they go back into that that environment. But, um, but often we, we see them stay. Obviously, they go back into their pro environment, but they're still popping in here for recovery or to get a training session in to, to catch up with everyone. Um, so it's a fantastic fantastic environment mate really enjoy it oh cool athletes authority is like a hub for athletes bringing them together like-minded individuals uh pushing each other through their off season and uh it must be a a pretty cool environment for for them to come and get together and this is is. sydney and melbourne Mm. yeah and that's a big part of it the culture to uh like and that's realistically why we're actually quite quite ruthless with with who we bring in because if you do have for example one of the girls that that just just left us this morning actually she got a contract over in the uk she's a, a young matilda and 
And, you know, if she's lifting in the gym, she doesn't want someone next to her mm. who has been out on the piss all night and, you know, is overweight and, and just kind of wanting to lose some kilos. She wants someone who's next to her pushing for, for the next level, that, that someone that may be coming up in the A-League or someone that plays rugby or, or someone that's actually motivated with the same goals. And um, that's what creates that really good culture on the gym floor. Yeah, absolutely. How good. You must be a pretty proud man with uh, all your achievements, and, and but also knowing that you're doing good, you know, knowing that you're able to, uh, you, that you're assisting uh, Australian sport to to move forward. And um, we've got the Australian netball in the World Cup. And w- what date can we watch that final? Uh, that's a great question. We've just we've just come out of the, the, the rounds now and into the, 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 the secondary stages. Mm. I'm not sure what the actual um, date of the grand final is, but it's, I reckon it's in about two weeks, about 10 days. Yeah, about 10 days. So we, we're manifesting that we're in the final for that. And then, we, yep. and then we'll be pushing into preseason and we'll be able to follow the journey of the Swifts going forward into, into early next year when they begin again and, and hopefully get that one point better. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And, and hopefully all the uh, body science stuff for Paige will help her through it, mate. That's right. We're, we're very proud to have Paige and we're glad that she's out there uh, representing us. And uh, of course, today's segment is brought to you by our new high protein powder, which is available in Coles and Woolworths, 26 grams of protein per serve, five digestive enzymes. This is for everyday use. Every individual from athletes that will be at your athletes authority as well as the everyday individual because we believe that everyone needs to top up their protein intake throughout the day and just this is an easy, tasty, convenient option to help that take place. Of course, first and foremost is food and then training and then slot in the supplements to make life a bit easier. Uh, Lachlan, any closing words from yourself, sir? No, mate, just appreciate uh, jumping on and it would have been good to do it in person up there, but unfortunately, um, unless you want to look after my three kids, unfortunately, (laughs) I'm stuck here. Three kids under two and a half years of age. <laughs> and, uh, well, thanks for making this happen and thanks for your time. And we look forward to following your journey as you go further into this. 20 years in the industry as the physical performance coach. Thanks very much, Lachlan. Appreciate it, Legend. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.